This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshat Lachal 5783, the Pusik that we're going to talk about today is Yud Beis Yud Zayin. Perak Yud Beis, Pusik Yud Zayin says, Vayinaga Hashem es Paro, Negoyin Gedolam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, gave to Paro these huge plagues, this huge saras, that's based along with his wife, Altvar Sarai Eshes Avram. Because of the matter of Sarai, the wife of Avram, and everything that happened over here, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu hurt Paro, punished him for what was going on. So obviously the plague was given to Paro because of Sarai, that Sarai was taken away. But how did he know that? We know that because we have the Torah, and we recognize that Sarai was the wife of Avram Avinu. But how in the world did Paro figure that out? What exactly showed him that that was going to do? Whoa, I haven't seen you in years. All right, so Rashi. Rashi has our first answer. He says that Paro, Paro was punished with a disease called Makas Ra'ason. Ra'ason was, it caused a person to have a difficult time being together with his wife. There are 24 different types of skin diseases, known as Tsaras, but it's not necessarily Tsaras, that are recognized by Chazal, and this is the worst of all of them. The fact that he was not able to be together with Sarai made him realize that this was the reason he was being punished. I can't be with Sarai. That's it. That made him go back to Avram and say, what's going on? I don't understand what's happening. The Chizkuni says the punishment happened to Avimelech as well, and the punishment that happened to Avimelech, not being able to go to the bathroom and not being able to give birth to children and all the things that are mentioned there also happened to Paro. So that's from the words of Aldevar that appear in both places. Either way, Regardless, that showed him, he's like, okay, this has got to be it. There's no other reason why this would happen to me, as well as the people in my household. It must be because of Sarai. Number two, Svorno says that only Paro received the Negayim Gedolim. The rest of his family just received Negayim. The only person in the house that didn't have anything happen to them was Sarai. And that's what made them realize that she was the reason for all of this. It wasn't necessarily the method of punishment that he got, but rather the fact that they were all being punished and she wasn't. So why did the family receive any game? What did the family do? The family didn't do anything. Paro's family didn't do anything. It was all Paro that did over here. So the shock says, so that everyone would know that he didn't actually touch her. If he would have gotten Negayim and Negayim alone, the rest of the family wouldn't have, they would have thought it's because he did something to her. And because he did something to her, he was punished. Now that they all got it, they realized it was preventive. It was so that he wouldn't do anything, and that's the reason why he was plagued along with his family. Tzveris Yonason says, so they wouldn't think it was their gods punishing Paro for taking a woman from outside of the country. Maybe the Egyptians would say, oh, wow, he took somebody from outside of the country. He's going to be punished by the Egyptians' gods for taking somebody who's an immigrant who came inside here. Maybe that's it. That's how the Tavares Yonason says. How could he even suggest that such a woman is going to be the future queen of Egypt, which maybe he told people he was going to do. Therefore, they all got punished, so they knew it wasn't just on him, and it wasn't about obviously what Paro did is that everyone was involved in this. Torah Tamima suggests they were guilty of allowing Paro to do what he wanted to do with Sarai, right? And may have even encouraged him to do so. That's why they were being punished. The Igrit Akalos says the exact same thing. There are different levels. The more people that were involved, like his advisors and the people who found her, etc., they got the biggest Negayim. Paro got the most and then they all got, and then other people who were less involved got lesser Negayim. So they all realized it was adding up 
to this, to Sarai being around there. That's how the Torah to me puts it. Hegel Zekashuni says it suggests that no one else would be able to touch her. That way, nobody would go anywhere near her. And that way, everybody would stay far away from her. Number three, Rashi says another answer. Aldivar Sarai says, means literally by the word of Sarai. She told the Malach to start hitting him every time he started getting close. And the Malach did it. Every time he started to come close, she said to the Malach, hit him, and the Malach hit him. So he realized it was because of Sarai. Sarai was saying out loud what was happening. The Orchayim HaKadr says, Sarai means while the nega was happening, he was told that Sarai was the wife of Avramino. It sounds like he was told by Hashem that he gave him an avuah. We don't see anywhere that Paro was spoken to by God. Avimelech had a dream that a malach appeared to him, but we don't see that Paro was spoken to by God. But the inference from the Orachim HaKadosh is that he somehow became a Navi at that moment and was told not to do so. So that's an amazing answer from the Orachim HaKadosh. The Rambano ever says that Aldvar Sarai does not mean that she actually said something. She told the malach, but rather it happened to Paro because of what he did. Al-Dvar Sarai, over the matter of Sarai, which makes the most sense in Pshat, right? Al-Dvar Sarai, on the matter of what was happening with Sarai itself. In their merit, he received all these punishments, in the merit of Avram and Sarai for doing such a thing. Targum Onkelis, Targum Yonason, the Ibn Ezra, they all say the exact same thing. There's an amazing Pshat that's given over by the Maril, that this means when Sarai came into the palace, it caused Paro and his people to look terrible in comparison to her. Meaning, Paro was not so bad if you just looked at the Egyptian people. The Egyptian people are not so bad when compared to Paro. When you have a tzaddikis that comes into town, automatically everyone is supposed to become better. You just have higher expectations. Like a person like that who comes in, everyone needs to become a better person. So when she made them look bad, everybody looked horrible, that's why he had to get punished. And that's why they felt that they had to get rid of Avram and Sari immediately, kick them out immediately afterward. Having them in Mitzrayim was a bad thing. Because when you compare yourself to Egyptian number one, it wasn't that bad of a deal. Compare yourself to Avram and Sarai, it was a bad deal. And each one of them got punished because of that. So it's interesting, according to that idea from the Maril, it's not necessarily that he tried to be together with Sarai. It could be just the fact that she was there was enough to get him plagued, enough to get him to have this type of punishment, which is crazy over there. Anyway, what kind of nigayim did he receive? So we already said from Rashi up there that it's Ra'asan. But first, there's the Rabbeinu Yol. Rabbeinu Yol says that the word Gidolin should be read as Gidalim with a Tseri. They kept getting bigger and bigger as time went on. It's almost as if he had a zit, he had a pimple, and the pimple just kept growing on his face, and he couldn't understand what was happening. Or he had a boil that happened on his body, and it just started spreading, a rash that went everywhere, like psoriasis or something like that, where something happened on his skin and just got bigger and worse and worse and worse. That's how it says, not gidolim, but rather Gidalim, that they were getting bigger and bigger. That's the first one. That's the Rabbi Yol. Now, Rashi says it's Ross, and we already mentioned that. It's funny. Rashi in Ksuvah stuff, Ayin Zayin says, it's a moist type of shin, type of boil that's moist, and it forms in the brain, which comes from some type of a sheritz, like almost like a bug, a bacteria almost, that goes in the brain, and it causes a person to lack the ability to be with their wife. 
It's a very, very strange Gemara, right? And very, very strange Rashi as well. Miam Lois adds that his family weren't able to give birth, which caused them to scream out in pain. Similar would happen to Avimelech, as we mentioned up above, that the Chizkuni says everything that happened to Paro happened to Avimelech, everything that happened to Avimelech happened to Paro. So they go together. Balitosos say, Nigayim Gidolim the S. Gidolim is without the Vav is the gematria of 667, which is the gematria of Zehu, Zehu Ra'asan, plus the Kolo, which is super interesting that they end up connected with each other. Now, the Be'er Basada, we already mentioned that this is something that seems to be very strange, a strange disease formed from a bug in the brain. Apparently, it's also contagious. The Gemara brings down over there, there's an unbelievable Gemara, we did this before, Yahweh, remember this Gemara? Rabbi Yochanan warned people to stay away from flies that cling to someone with this disease. Reb Zero would not even sit in the crosswind of someone who had it. If there was a wind blowing, he wouldn't sit in another area where the wind might hit you. Rabbi Elazar would not go into their tents. Rabbi Ami Rabbi Asi would not eat eggs that came from that neighborhood. It, might, it was so contagious that it caught them right over there. That's what they said. Everyone in his family caught it from him, according to this idea from the Bear Basada. Meaning Paro got it, and then it spread throughout the entire land. It started with him, and they understood he was the problem. And again, the only person who didn't have it was Sarai. She was the one that didn't happen right over here. Now, there are other answers. There are other answers. Rechaim Knievsky says a third answer, that the disease was not something that grew, and not something that's called Ra'asan, but they became Tumtumim. A tumtum, guys, is not like an androgynous. An androgynous is an androgynous person who has both parts, both of a man and a woman. A tumtum is covered up in that area, so you cannot tell whether it's a man or a woman. Nowadays, they have surgery to correct such a thing, but it would be somebody who you wouldn't be able to tell if they were a man or they were a woman. They're also considered sterile, right? That's what it is over there. They all became a tumtum, and we even say that in a piyut on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. We skip almost all of those piyutim that are said, all the poetry. But of course, Rukhain Knievsky doesn't, so he found that and said immediately that that's the, that's the thing. He also says it's possible it was regular tsaras, which is in Barashas Rabbah Memalof Bey's, not Ra'asun, but actual regular tsaras as well. But then Rashi said that whole thing about the Malach. The Malach hit him, as well as his servants and the people of the household, right? They felt pain, but they couldn't see the Malach. All of a sudden, Sarai said something, hit him, and they felt a smack. They felt a whip. They felt somebody hitting them. But they had no idea what it was. They couldn't tell what it was. They weren't sure what it was exactly. He says, he goes on, Rashi says, had they not been hit, they may have thought that he was being punished for being together with Sarai, which would make her look bad. Now they understood they were being, ta- they were being punished just for her being in the palace by being taken, etc. The Mesha Chachma says, is based on a Gemara in Shavuos, Daph, Lamed, Tesem, It says over there that one gets Kares and the others get Din Kal. That if somebody does something, the person who does it gets Kares. The other people around them get a Din Kal, something lighter. Power got the worst of it. And they had something happen to them that wasn't as bad. And that's the idea behind it. Now, Rabbi Yosef Nechemia says, I, it's really strange that Rashi goes with such an off shot. Go with a Medrash. Rashi's there to tell you Pshat in the Pusik. Pshat in the Pusik. Pshat in the Pusik is like the Ramban. Aldvar Sarai is over the matter of Sarai. Not that a Malach was hitting him. That, that's a very strange thing to say. And that every time she said something, the Malach began to hit him. What made Rashi give this Pshat? Especially since he already said he got Negayim. He got Rawson. He already got a disease. So now also he got hit by the Malach? What exactly is happening here? Why does Rashi say this? So he says the following. He says, normally, you're not allowed to be punished twice. You can't both lose your money 
as well as have punishments on your body. That's something we normally don't do. We don't give two double punishments. He only would have had it if something else was going on. Now, Paro's punishment from HaKadosh Baruch Hu was to get raw son. That was the punishment for getting involved. That was the Tsaras thing. Fine. That was his actual punishment itself. But there's an added punishment that had to be over here, not from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was from Sarai. Sarai's kavod was put down a little bit. For her, she got to punish Paro. For the fact that he did what he did, Paro, in taking Sarai, he got raw son. An added punishment of a bodily punishment, something that Sarai wanted to have happen to him, that was added on once he goes through. He goes through and explains how that could happen, and it's similar to how they left Mitzrayim and they took away money aside from the Makos that happened. But Rabbi Yosef Nechami explains it a little bit better. Just You're going to have to check it out over there. Okay. Then Chizkuni says, why doesn't it say what the Maka was? What was the point in hiding it and just calling it Nagayim Gidolim? So he says again, by Avimelech, we have to tell you exactly what it was. Why? Because if we didn't, then you would wonder. Sarai went into, at the time it was Sarai Menu, went into Avimelech, and she became pregnant very soon afterward. You're pretty sure people would start talking, and people would start saying things, right? And they would be like, oh, wow, maybe Avimelech is the father. And in fact, there's an unbelievable story that Rabbi Kohn said years ago where somebody was talking to another person. He wanted to make a deal with an Arab guy. And he said to him, come on, we're brothers. We're brothers. And the guy said, what do you mean? He said, well, we both come from Avram Avinu. He said, you're not from Avram. You're from Avimelech. Apparently, the Ishmaelim think that we're mamish from Avimelech. And they're the only ones who are really from Avram. So by Avimelech, it makes sense that it had to be public, that he had no ability to be with Sarah, and therefore there's no way that could have happened. That had to become public, everybody had to know about it, and that was the idea behind it. That's the idea that the Chizkuni says. By Paro, she didn't become pregnant then. She didn't become pregnant for almost 25 years later. So because of that, there's no question that nothing was going to happen. No one's afraid of something like that being said. So therefore, we could hide the punishment. We didn't have to say it straight out. Now, the Chavetz Chaim, he was one time coming back from doing Bikr Cholim, and he says, listen, a human king wants to put someone in jail. So what does he do? He has no choice but to put someone in a room under lock and key and make sure that he stays there. But what is the purpose of sickness? The purpose of sickness is HaKadosh Baruch Hu can put a person in jail without doing anything. He makes a person sick. And then the guy has to stay confined to his bed as if he's got a chain on him and he's standing right there. Because I'll say in Lamed Bezim and Aleph and Shabbos, when a person has a headache, he should consider it as if his neck is inside a metal chain. He should feel like he's in a kolar, like he's in jail. That's what it's like when a person is truly sick because you feel like you can't move and you can't get anywhere whatsoever. Yeshua Moshe Aronson told Ravai Levin, who came to visit him while he was in the hospital after breaking his leg, that he had heard from the Chavetz Chaim that once in a while, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decrees that a certain person should be in jail. He sweetens it that instead of throwing him in jail, he makes him stick, sick instead and he gives him chains that can't be seen. It's a jail without jailers. These makos happened to Paro because he deserved to be in jail for what he did. He stole a woman from underneath her husband. But who's going to throw Paro in jail? Who's going to do it? HaKadosh Baruch who took Paro and threw him in jail by giving him a sickness that wouldn't allow him to leave his bed. Gave him a sickness that wouldn't allow him to do what he wanted to do. That's the idea behind it. And that's, I think, by the way, that's a huge lesson for us today. That whenever anybody gets sick and you feel like you can't move and you're sitting down in a bed, you should think to yourself, HaKadosh Baruch who just threw me in jail. I'm supposed to be in jail for something. 
Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch, who instead of throwing me in jail, is instead giving me a sickness. That's what the sickness means. When a person feels that way, it already turns it into something a little bit better. It turns it into something positive, where you can take that sickness, the jail sentence that you, were, that you received, and turn it into something better. And thank God, it's not in an actual jail. It's in your own bed, in your own bedroom, with your own air conditioning. You can do everything. Everything's on you. That's the way a person should think when a person actually gets sick. Okay. There's another Medrash, and it's a weird one. Rashi Yoshan says, Ve'ez Beso, not only him, but his house got hurt. Not just his wife, not just his children, not just his slaves. The house itself got Tsaras. We've heard of Tsaras about him. It's mentioned in Parshish Mitzora. That's exactly what happened at Paro's house. Not only his home. The walls of his house, sure, they got Tsaras, which is a type of mold, a weird red and green, bright green and bright red mold. But his clothing also started to get Saras. Everything around there, the pillars, the utensils, there was a mold that went around everything. His whole home was literally affected. The Shach brings this message as well. Rashi, Yoshan, and the Shach both say exactly that. Ayelis HaShachar quotes the Rambam that Nige Batim, Nigayim, Saras, and houses is a wonder from above that something strange is going on to waken you to that fact and say, come on, what's going on here? This doesn't normally happen. This is an abnormal thing. So to hear, the first thing it was trying to show is recognize something's wrong. And according to this Ayala Sashaka Rav Steinman, it's possible that it happened to the house first. First, the house started getting weird spots on it. Then his kalim started getting weird spots on it. Then the utensils he was using for food started getting weird spots on it. And when he started asking around, he's like, isn't this weird? But he was still not thinking that he did something wrong with Sari. When he came near Sarai, that's when he got it himself. HaKadosh Baruch who warned him, he didn't listen, and eventually it hit his body, it went on his body itself. The Valitos say this includes his mazel. The malach of Mitzrayim got saras. The animals of Mitzrayim got saras. That everybody was involved with this disease, that everybody was involved over here. So the Kliyakr says an interesting thing. He says, okay, so now we see that Paro, Paro got punished, and he shouldn't have done it. But for what? What did he do wrong? He was told by Avram Avinu, and possibly by Sarai as well, that she was his sister. That's a very, very clear Pusik that Avram Avinu tells Sarai, tell everyone, Imri na achosiat, tell everyone that you're my sister. So what was his chait? What was the sin? Right? So he says that Avram and Sarai only said that publicly. It was never meant if something happened and Sarai was alone with somebody. When Sarai ended up being taken by Paro, and she was alone with Paro. She told him, I want you to know, I know we said that we're brother-sister, but Avram is really my husband and not my brother. I want you to know that. Those people I wouldn't talk to. They're too evil. I'm not going to tell the, the guards that are at the gates, you know, what's going on. I'm not going to tell the Amiratsim that see me in the shuk who I really am. Then I'm worried that they're going to kill Avram. But you, you're the king. A king won't kill anybody unnecessarily so. So therefore I'm telling you, I'm really her... I'm really his wife. She's, he is my husband. And therefore, don't do anything. Paro, however, ignored her and claimed to only believe the first words and that now she was trying to get out of it because she didn't really want to be married to Paro. Oh, so you don't want to be married to me, huh? You really aren't married to Avram Avinu. You just don't want to be together with me. So therefore, he was punished. Al-Devar Sarai. 
on the words of Sarai, literally. Not that Sarai said to Amalek to go out of it, not over the matter of Sarai, but rather because of the words that Sarai told him, told him, I'm telling you, I am, etc. That's the problem. And that's why Paro later complained to Avram. Why did you tell me she was your sister? I thought she was saying that to get out of it. But you, I would have listened to you if you would have told me the truth. Avram did not answer. Avram knew. There's no way you would have listened. There's no way you would have listened. Avram treated Paro like he did anybody else in that nation and was literally afraid that he was going to be killed. And therefore, he did not switch his story. He kept saying, That was the idea behind it. The Chizkuni brings this down as well. The Chizkuni is way before the Kliyakar, about 250 years before the Kliyakar. He gives another answer. There's no such thing as Hasra by B'nai Noach. By B'nai Noach, there's no such thing as warning. If they do something, and they know there's something a little bit off about this, Paro should not be going around grabbing women, even if they're just sisters of that person. This is not the right thing to do. You should at least find out what's going on here. And therefore, they can be punished even without being warned about it beforehand. So when Paro claims, I wasn't warned, says the Kodesh Baruch you didn't have to be. You don't have to be warned. These non-Jews don't need the warning. That's the concept behind it. That's a second answer as why they could be punished. The Torah and the Rambam, the Rambam, I'm sorry, Ramban, I'm sorry, agreed that this came from Sarai. After he was plagued, he turned to her and said, why is this happening to me? And she told him. Or he brought the suspicions to Avram, who remained silent, and he realized that they were married to one another. So clearly it was Aldevar Sarai. She clearly was either saying something or indicating something, and that's what was going on. Miamluay says it was the Malach who hit him. The Malach that hit him, the same shot that we had in Rashi, told him, I am hitting you because it's really Avram's wife. She never said anything, but the Malach did. And the Malach explained what was happening, which is interesting because he couldn't see the Malach. So in an empty voice, a disassociated voice, while he's being smacked, was saying to him, because of Sarai, she is the wife of Avram, this is why you're being hit. And he's like, oh man, who is this? That's what was happening at that time, and that's the idea behind it. The Panach Raza, the tour, Rechaim Pelti on the Moshe's Akanim, say it was a Kaddish Baruch Hu himself. As we said before, it could be that there was a Malach involved, which is why he later said, Hine Ishtacha, it's behold, she's your wife. Clearly he was told by someone, and he knew, and who else told her, aside from Hashem? Who else told him, I should say, aside from Hashem? It couldn't have been Sarai. She was told by Abraham not to say anything about the relationship. So it must have been that. And it's so strange. So, such a strange thing. But Paro received a nevuah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So guys, I'm just going to go with this. If Paro got a nevuah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we learned over the past couple of weeks. There's a nevuah that was given to Cain. Not only once, but twice Cain spoke to God. Paro speaks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Speaks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Avimelech speaks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hugger gets four different malachim that come up to her. There is no reason why we can't be Nevi'im. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. If Paro, Avimelech, Hugger, and Kayan, all, all four of them, had a Nebuah with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I, I, think, I think we're fine. I think we really can. When somebody says to me, like, oh, we don't have any ability, yeah, whatever, we're fine. We really should be working harder on ourselves. We really should be getting there. Now, again, if you tell me you're, you're a Navi, I'm not going to believe you because it's you and, like, some guy at Tel Aviv Pizza. Like, that's not going to happen, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to totally believe you. But regardless, it's something that at least we should strive for, to at least be like Paro, you know what I'm saying? At least do that. Rev. Victor Miller says, although we don't see Hashem talking to Paro in the Pesukim themselves, it's possible that he or his advisors figured it out on their own. 
and on that level, these people were on a certain level. They understood that this is a message from God. This is a message from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's a lesson that we ourselves can take. Even Paro or his advisors understood that when something bad is happening, it's for a reason. Look at what happened. Look at what happened to you. There's got to be something that you did. And if you can honestly look at your life and say, there is nothing I did wrong, I can't understand why God is doing this to me, then come to me. I promise I'll tell you what it is. Okay? Ellie, I'm not talking about you. But everybody else, you should, <laughs> everybody else, you can come to me. I will tell you. I will 100% tell you. Steve, not you either. Yeah. No, but they, they didn't believe in one God. They, yeah. they believed in many. So they, but the question is, when, when you have a pantheon of gods and you believe in all of those, it's possible that the Egyptians, and we see this from a historical perspective, they all believed in one overranging, one overall God, like Ra, right? Like there was something. And then there were aspects of it where each one you could have an individual God, like based on a malach, a kochav, a, you know, a, a, even an animal, you know, that would represent something. I think that that's what it means. They believed and they understood that there was an overall God. Whether he was known as Yudke Vavke, that's the reason why Paro said, Mi Hashem Asher Eshmai Love, who is Hashem? I've never heard that name before. Or they knew it as something else, like Ra in a later dynasty, not in this dynasty, but in a later dynasty, something like that. It's possible that that would be, that would be the understanding behind the Razid Amer says there was a big difference between Avimelech and Paro. Avimelech took his time, tried convincing her to marry him. Paro just went right then and said, you're marrying me, me now. Therefore, Avimelech was able to be spoken to in a dream. Paro, however, grabbed her immediately. The only way to stop him was to immediately give him the Negayim or immediately hit him. That's why it happened in different ways. Paro may have deserved to speak to God had he waited, but he didn't wait. So therefore he got a Malach hitting him instead. That's the idea behind it. The Panam Yafo says there's possible, possibility that he wasn't being punished for what he did. He was punished for embarrassing Sarimane. It's possible that's involved. Embarrassing somebody on that level could be something huge. He goes into it. The Panam Yafo Stafla talks about it, but that's not so for us right now. Now we have a really interesting Tzofnas Paneach. Now the truth is, I've seen this in the Chassam Sofer. I couldn't find it this year. I don't know where the Chassam Sofer says it. I had it in three different places, and I can't find any of them. But the Tzofnas Paneach says, if you notice, over here she's called Eshes Avram. In Parshas Vayera, she's called Be'ulas Baal. You know, being together with her husband. Here she's the wife of Avram. Over there, Be'ulas Baal, she has a husband. Something weird is going on here. Why is she called Be'ulas Baal then? And over here she's called Eshes Avram. So there's a Rambam in Hilchus Malachim, Perik Tes Halachachas, that says by a non-Jew, if a non-Jewish man wants to divorce a non-Jewish woman, and both, vice versa, if a non-Jewish woman wants to divorce a non-Jewish man, all it takes is for them to say, I don't want to be together with you anymore. And that's it. There's no concept of a get by a non-Jew. There's no concept of that. So you have to say out loud, I don't want to be together with you anymore. That means when Sarai said, I am Avram's sister, I am Avram's sister, essentially saying, I'm no longer married to Avram. That may be considered like a divorce, and they weren't married anymore. That at this moment, Avram and Sarai were no longer husband and wife. Thus, she's called Eshes Avram, as in the previous wife of Avram Avinu, as opposed to Bulas Baal, someone with a husband. She didn't have a husband at the time. At this moment, she was actually divorced. Later, when Avram received his bris and had the status of a Yisrael, and at that point, when he had the bris that changed. That meant that she would have needed a get to be divorced. She was a Bulas Baal, and you couldn't say that to Avimelech. You couldn't say to Avimelech, no, I am an, I'm a Chosia, I'm only a sister, and therefore it's like I'm divorced. That's not enough. That wouldn't be enough to do it. That's the Ruggachavr's pshat in what happened over here, that they mamish were truly divorced. 
that means, that shows, that Paro was not being punished for anything he did wrong. Because technically, again, they were not married. If they're not married, he didn't do anything wrong by doing it. And that's why the name Hashem is used over here instead of Elohim. It's not Midas Hadin for something to punish Paro for what was happening. It was Rachamim because this was not the right thing for Paro to do, stopping Paro before he did something and ruined Sarai from being together with Avram Avinu. That's the idea behind it. Minadini did nothing wrong, says the Raga Chopper. She was not married at the moment. He was only punished because of the honor of Avram and Sarai. And that gets into the flaw of the Panam Yafos of being punished for someone's boshes, which is an unbelievable idea. The Be'er Yosef says it was really dependent on what she said to Paro. What exactly did she say? Avram had said she was his sister, but she hadn't said anything. Notice when Paro goes up to Avram, he doesn't complain to Sarai. He complains to Avram, why did you say, why did you say that she was your sister? You could have told me that she was married to you. Why did you tell me that? She didn't blame. Notice this. Paro is not blaming. Paro is not blaming Sarai. Because Sarai might not have actually said it. But who did? Avram did. Avram said it according to Bar Yosef. In that case, when she came before Paro, she might have said that I really am the wife of Avram, as the Kliakr said earlier, says the Bar Yosef. And that means she never was actually divorced from Avram. So we have two very, very different pshatim. The Rogachavar's pshat was, is that when she says, I am his sister, that immediately made him divorced. They were both divorced. And therefore, Paro being together with her was technically mutter. And the only thing that came from there, right, the only thing that would be able to happen from there is Paro is prevented from marrying Sarai so that Sarai could remarry Avram Avinu. That's one way. That's the rug of choppers. The Bar Yosef is the exact opposite. He says, no, Avram may have said, she's my sister. But Sarai went ahead and said, he's my husband. When they were in private, he said, she's, that's my husband. I am actually married to Avram Vino. And according to the Rambam, that's enough to be able to make them married again. Technically, they're married. They were divorced maybe when Avram said something, but they're remarried. So at that moment, right, he was punished for almost being together with an Eishes Avram. It's really two ways of learning Eishes Avram. Is Eishes Avram meaning she was Eishes Avram, but she's not now, that's the Raga Shavar. Or she's Eishes Avram right now because she's saying she's Eishes Avram the way the Kliyakar and the way the Bar Yosef said it, and that's that. What do you got, Shalom? If she wasn't Eishes Avram, then, what, then she would just have to say, after the left palace, I'm not with this power anymore. I'm not Except, I don't know if Avram would be makbid about a concept of machzer grushaso. Do you hear what I'm saying? Of, right. I don't know if the concept of machzer grushaso with somebody would Avram really take her back. Maybe that's something that she knew might not happen. That's the idea. I'm not saying it was Uster because Machzor Grushoso, because it's not true. She's not married and then married and then married, etc. But something like that. Who knows if that would happen, Dave? According, by non-Jews, yes. By non-Jews, yes. Any one of them, a man or a woman can say, I'm, I'm single or I'm divorced or whatever, and then they're divorced. Lefi the Rambam. Now, again, I don't want to be, I, I wasn't medayik in that Rambam, whether both of them have to say it together or either one can say it and that works. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. The one thing that's super interesting about this is, is that if a person... What if a person, like, just going to this round, I remember doing this once years ago, because when I, I did this original Chassam Sofer, which I can't find anymore, right, where it says right there, what if the woman says, I'm living with this person, but I no longer want to be together with this person? Is that a divorce or not? 
Like, is it about the relationship or is it about living together? What is it exactly that makes them divorced? What exactly cuts them off? So I don't know. That, that, those are details that I haven't gotten into. Oh, the next one. The Ksav Sofer brings down, there's a third shot. And the third shot is this. Avram did divorce Sarai Kadin in front of two Adam, the Gerim that he had. He took two of his Gerim and divorced her Kedos Kadin. Maybe even made a get. It could be even gave her a get. Before they went down to Mitzrayim. And that's what it meant. Imri na Chosiat, tell them that you're my sister. He wasn't lying. He wasn't trying to trick anybody. He was saying the truth. Right now, just say that you're my sister. Because obviously, if he's divorced from her, what's she traveling with him for? Why is she traveling with him? So say, you're my sister. Because technically you are. You're my brother's daughter. So I'll consider you like my grandfather's daughter. Which means my father, who is your grandfather's daughter. So technically we're brother's sister. So he went into that to say that that's the idea of why it would be something like that. So he wouldn't be killed. He divorced her on purpose, worried about what would happen if he said that he was a married woman. He could then, he couldn't then go and say that he was her ex-husband. He couldn't say that because the Mitzrayim would immediately not understand. Like, what, then why is she here? What's going on here? So he purposely did not say we were married and now we're divorced. He just said, she's my sister to help everyone understand what she was doing and why she was there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that even though she was taken by Paro, Paro wouldn't do anything to her by giving him Ra'asan giving him that disease that didn't allow him to be together with her since he wanted her to stay together with Avram and that's that. But then the problem with this, with this shot that Gustav Sofer says is then why did everybody else get punished? See, everything we set up until now, why did everybody else get punished? Because maybe there were other people involved, maybe there were other people doing whatever, they were doing whatever it is. It must be to publicize the fact that a Kaddish Baruch who wanted this couple to be together until they had a child. When they left Mitzrayim, the name of Avram Binu was publicized throughout the land. They knew that Avram and Sarai were meant to be together by God. And everybody looked at them and said, this couple, even though they're old, 75 and 65 years old at the time, are going to have a child, and clearly it's from the hand of God. The Egyptians went around saying that. Sure, it was forgotten by Avimelech 13 years later, and that, again, happened quite a few bit, a little bit, uh, 13, even 50, uh, 25 years later. It was forgotten by that time. But for quite a while, everybody knew about this. al Devar about this idea of what Sari was, to make sure everyone knew she was Aisha Savram. That's an unbelievable stuff so far, but that's the third shot. So technically, by the Rambam, no, I don't think you need Adam, but according to this shot that the Ksav Sofer says, again, that's the Ksav Sofer's son, yeah, you needed Adam to be able to do it. The Maloa Omer says the most amazing thing in the world. He says, Sarai was an islandess. An islandess is a woman who has no ability to give birth. That's based on a Gemara Yuvam Samach Dalit, that she was an islandess, she had no ability to give birth. Therefore, her Kiddushin to Avram was a Kiddushin Taos. It was a mistaken marriage. At the time, he didn't know she was an islandist. But now, he must have recognized it at some point. They shouldn't have been married. But he says, that's only if the husband recognizes the simonim of an islandist and complains about them. Avram was such a tzaddik, he didn't notice them. So therefore, he never made a taina. He never claimed they should be divorced. And therefore, they were considered married even though she was an islandist. Even though he may have divorced her had he known... Navihu, says a Kaddish Baruch he knew she would eventually become pregnant and married her for that reason. So Malo Omer says the most startling thing. Technically, they never were married. When Avram Avinu says the words, Imri na achosiat, say that you're my sister, what he was basically telling her was the truth without even realizing what he was saying. 
he was saying to try to get out of it. But he was right. Technically, he's not married to her because it's a Kedusha toast. He just was, she was so tsenua and he was such a tzaddik, they never realized it. And because of his Ruach HaKodesh, then he knew she would have a child. They were considered married, even though they technically weren't considered married because you can't marry an island or it's a Kedusha toast by an island unless you knew about it beforehand. That, that is by far the nuttiest shot I've seen in a while. That goes through, yeah, Ellie. When did they get married? Technically, I, mean, I, I don't know if there was a process of them getting, get them getting married, but likely after the bris milah at the age of 99. 100%. So whatever they were up until that point was considered half marriage or whatever it is, but technically the consummation of the full marriage would have been in 99 when he had a bris milah, and he probably changed certain things about him. At that moment, he might have gotten through, and that's when she became pregnant. So it's possible that that happened at that time. The Miyamlawe says, and we all know this, everything that happens to the Avos is a simon for what happens to the children later on. This was a simon, he says, it's from the Tzor Amor, that the, the, the Mitzrayim would receive makos for enslaving the children of Avram and Sarai. Just like he enslaved Sarai and took, him into the pal- took her into the palace, and he got makos, makos ra'asan, but makos for doing so, so too the Mitzrayim in the future would end up having that. It could be it's the same malach. Maybe the malach hit him ten times for the ten plagues that were going to happen in the future. Balitos say the word negayim is the gematria of 173 because ze bechag pesach. Ze bechag pesach is the gematria of 173. All of this happened on the night of Pesach. You know, we say like in that, vayi bechatzi alayla, on Pesach, whatever. This could make it in there. It just didn't happen at midnight. But Avram Avinu, Sarai was taken by Paro in the middle of the night. And that's that. Oh, and he had pajamas. It works out perfectly. He had pajamas in the middle of the night. And he grabbed Sarai. That's, that's exactly what happened. The miracle happened on that night. Pirkei Rebbe Lezer and Perak says that as well. But Tiferes Yonah said, this says, this is why Ben Yisrael groaned when they heard that Paro had died. They knew about Misa of Osim and They knew that Paro had Soras when he captured Sarai. So when Paro died, remember what Rashi says, when Paro died and they groaned from the Avodah, Rashi says he didn't really die, he just got Saras. And what did he do? He started killing babies and bathing in their blood to heal himself. Ben Israel sighed because they were like, we thought that was it. The Saras the, the that Paro got led to him kicking out Sarai. They thought that when Paro got Saras that time, that that would send them out of Mitzrayim. And it didn't happen. That's why they groaned. Because they were like, oh my gosh, is Gullus going to last forever? They thought that was it. And look, we're in the same throes of that type of Gullus right now. Everybody looked around. They were like, after the pogroms in Europe in the late 1800s, Mashiach has to come now. After the Holocaust, Mashiach has to come now. After the Cold War, Mashiach has to come now. After, I don't know. COVID? <laughs> Somewhat, right? Mashiach has to come now. We're in this, like, we have no idea what's happening. It's Vaye Anchu. If we'd only grown loud enough, maybe a Kaddish Baal will hear us and say, yeah, it's time to go. And then we have the last question over here. The Nitziv asked this question. It's a very strong question. Why did this happen to Sari Menu? Why was this the method to save her from power to be hit by a Malach? Well, what's going on over here? So he goes on and he says the following. I'm going to run through it. There are three pillars of Ashkacha projects that Kodesh Baruch used in this world. Torah, Avoda, and Gemilus Chassanim. There are ways of Ashkacha. Torah is called a sword. It acts as a weapon of war. And those who carry it, those who carry it against all sorrows in the world, whenever something's there, it goes to war for you. 
And the sword, the Torah that one has, guards a person from the terrible things that will happen. Avoda brings parnasa to the world, while chesed fosters peace. Hashem also acts in two different ways. Sometimes in a natural way, right? Turning nature to his will, allowing it to do in the right way. That's called malchus. And other times in a supernatural way, which is called tiferes. The way that a Baruch Hu goes and supersedes everything in the world and does things that are crazy. The way that he acts depends on the makabel how he acts toward a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and is based on the three things that one does toward Hashem. If a person is really strong in Torah, if a person is really strong in Chesed, if a person is really strong in, in Avodah. We all know the three of us excelled in all three Midos. After all, we know Titan Chesed Lavram, right? Titan is absolutely Yaakov, Chesed Lavram. There is a Chesed that goes by Avram. But you should know that Avram excelled in Torah more than he did in Chesed. He taught Torah to the masses and started the 2,000 years of Torah. There's no question that Torah is the greatest thing that Avram did, even though he was also a Baal Chesed, is the fact that he taught Torah. Thus, the stories in the Torah that revolve around Avram are all revolved around a battle. There's a battle. Whether it's the four kings and the five kings, or it's against Avimelech, or against Paro, or everything that happens with Avram, Inu, is a battle. There's a war. There's even a war with him against God about the people of Sodom. He fights HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He doesn't go in and just say there's chesed involved. He fights. He says, I want them to win. That's where all the Torahs go through. That might be, well, we don't mention anything about Avram Avinu and Ur Kastim because that happened before he started learning Torah. That's not the meat of Avram Avinu. Yitzchak excelled in Avodah. That's why he's the Ola Tamima. We mentioned his fact that he's the Korban. His davening. That's what we know Yitzchak for. We know Yitzchak about his Avodah. That's all we have in the Torah. And Yaakovinu, the stories about him are all about chesed. Above nature. Doing things that were crazy. So we have stories about him being a Parnas. A, 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 a guy who's working with sheep in the fields, dealing with stuff in the fields and doing stuff like that. He took care of loving sheep for a very long time. We don't hear anything about Yaakov learning for 77 years of his life. We learn nothing about Yeshiva Shem Ever. It's not even it's not even said in the Torah. It's only hinted to that he learned Yeshiva Shem Ever for 14 years. You know what we know about Yaakov Inu? He had sheep and he had staffs and he walked around and he dealt with Esau, and he made peace with everybody. His deal was seemingly chesed. He was lamalamina teva, miraculous things happened for him, and he became extremely wealthy, but he was all about that. And now it makes sense, because Avramina's power came from the Torah, therefore he had the power of the sword. When Sarai was taken, she was thus saved by the power of the sword, a malach hitting Paro, because that's what the power of Torah was. The truth is, if she wasn't Aishas Avram, if she was just she herself, her Midos may have caused something else to happen. Maybe her ultimate Mido was Chesed. And therefore, because she had Chesed, maybe she would have been saved in a different way. But because she's Aishas Avram, she had to be saved in this way, which leads to Rabbi Victor Miller. Why did Hashem make it that they just missed the box that she was hiding in? Why did this have to happen in the first place? Sarai was hidden in a box so she'd get through Mitzrayim, get through the tax collectors without anything. And they picked that box and they opened it up and they found Sarai. You mean to tell me that God couldn't have said, pick that box instead? You don't think they could have skipped over something? The Hashkoch of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was strange here. Why in the world did Sarai have to be taken into Paro's palace? Why did it have to be that there was even a thought that Sarai was being taken by, 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 by Paro? How could it be? So he said the following, he says, Hashem wanted miracles like these to happen, especially at the beginning of Avram Vinu's life. It had to happen so that all men, and especially us, would be able to marvel at these events, and we'd all learn the necessary lessons from them. Hashem could have made Paro send out B'nai Yisrael immediately when they were in Mitzrayim for, for those 210 years. But once he recognized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was hitting him, Hardened his heart, it teaches us great lessons. 
certain things happen to the Avos, to the Avos, that seem strange to us. Why would God make that happen? For us and them to discover the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, any, in everything. And even though it seems, well, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have done anything, of course. But there are unbelievable lessons to be learned from this. There are unbelievable lessons to be learned of what happened with the Makos and Mitzrayim. All of those are there for us to marvel at, wonder at HaKadosh Baruch Hu's miracles, and then say, ah, we're going to learn our proper lesson from it. That's the idea behind it. That's what we should do whenever we come to a parcel like this. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.